Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome here. Um, one of the songs that Chet led us through, there's a line that says, you are our way maker and miracle worker. And uh, I just want to share a quick story of how this was true in my life this, this past week. So on, on Thursday of this week, uh, my wife and I were down e out, out east. We were at a conference with our, our denomination. And uh, our flight was canceled leaving Toronto on Thursday night due to the strike. And so I've never been in that situation before, but it, it became very hopeless very quickly. And so we were trying to get back because I had a wedding to do yesterday and I had the rehearsal. And so it, it, was a, it was a big rush. And so we tried calling. We couldn't get through. We tried. Uh, we got to the airport early, uh, like eight hours early, and every flight was totally booked up. And the ones that were available were up to $6,000 to get one way to Edmonton. Like it was very expensive. And so uh, we didn't know what to do, and so we kind of circled around the airport, uh, found a, a restaurant to sit at. We sat down and just started um, eating or looking at I was looking at my computer thinking, well, maybe I can fly from Toronto to, to uh, um, the States and then drive back up here, or maybe I can drive over to Buffalo and come back up here. And I looked at my wife and I go, like, we're not going to get back till next week sometime, at least that's what it looked like then. And I was just formulating a, a text to the couple to say, I'm very sorry to say I, I can't be at your wedding. And uh, then the food came, and so I prayed. And being the, the godly man of faith that I am, uh, I remember this is my simple prayer. It was, it was God, I, I don't know if you can, but it would be really great if we can get back to Saskatoon in time for this wedding. Literally, a minute later, I get a ding on my phone. It was Tracy who said, I think we found a flight to you into Edmonton. And, and it, it was true. And so it came through and it just said, we're trying to process it. And I said to Brandon, don't get your hopes up. There's no way we're going to get in. And we got on the flight and we got back to Edmonton and drove in and got here an hour before the rehearsal. And so it was a wonderful thing. And, and so in that moment and the timing of it, that was an absolute, absolute miracle from God. And so I'm saying that to you because I, I want you to know that, that God cares about the little things. Even this morning in the first service, we had no media behind us at all. And the, the online service wasn't on, and so we were praying for a miracle that that would come on, and as I was talking up here, that came on as well. So uh, God's a God of miracles, and so if you uh, have something in your life that you want to be prayed for, we'd love to be able to pray for you with that. Now, with that in mind, let's turn to the God who is the, the one who does these great things, and let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, um, we just come to you today as not only God Almighty, but as the Good Father. And you are the faithful God who does no wrong. You are the one who is sovereign and who reigns and rules according to your unfolding plan. You are the God who is, is able to do exceedingly more than we could ever ask or imagine. And you're the one who keeps us from falling. Uh, God, you are our light, you're our hope, and you're our redeemer. And we just want to say again this morning that we love you. And Jesus, you are God. You are the living word. Everything you say is true because you are God. And you are the true vine. And our life is found in you. So help us, God, to uh, abide in you more and more. And Jesus, you are our sure foundation, as the scriptures say. And you really are our precious cornerstone. You are the light of life. You are the Lord of all. You are the indescribable gift, and you are our Savior. And Holy Spirit, you're God. You're the spirit of counsel and power. You're the spirit of holiness. You are our counselor. You are our helper in times of need. 
You are the one who guides us into all truth and guides our steps every day. And so, God, we thank you that, that you, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are one, and that you are present with us today, and that you long for people to know who you are in your fullness. Father, you care about us as individuals. You care about the little things in our life, like getting someone from Toronto back to Saskatoon. You care about the big things in our life, like where we're going, uh, who we're going to marry, what career choice we're going to have. You care about all those things. And you care about this church too. And so, Father, I pray that you would increase the boundaries of our ministry, that you would uh, give us uh, a new love and a deep love and a complete love for those who are lost and broken. Teach us how we can be your good ambassadors and be your faithful servants in this world. And even now as we gather today, but not just now as we gather, but throughout the week, would you continue to speak to us? Would you nudge us? Would you convict us of our broken ways and your good ways? And that we would be able to walk with you in wholeness. And then, Father, uh, you know that there's changes coming up here in this church, and so as we prepare for a new season of ministry under new leadership, would you grant us grace, and would you help us to be unified as a church body? And so we just want to say again that, that we love you, that we trust you, and that you are our good God, who we have our faith in. And so this morning as we gather, we gather from all sorts of spaces in life. Some of us are here full of joy because of your goodness, and we want to praise you. Some of us are here, and we don't know where you are. We're confused. Would you um, meet us in this moment? Some of us are doubting your existence or your value or who you are. May you open our spiritual eyes that we might see you more. Some of us here are, are still on our journey of faith towards you, and may you show yourself as the one true God. And so I pray that, God, that you would be able to do those things as we, as we hear today and as we sing, as we hear stories that you would encourage us. And so I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward at this time, and they're going to take up the morning offering for us. And as they do, I'll just make a few announcements along the way. So first of all, for, for children that are here today, there are no children's ministries this morning. We do have kids' activity sheets out front for you if you want to go into the foyer and grab one. And also the kids' zone is going to be open for, uh, for parents of young kids if you need to access that. Um, I also want to mention that there's going to be a seniors lunch on this Thursday and you can sign up on our website or at the church office if you haven't been to that seniors lunch and you're in that category. This is a great time. There's lots of people that come out. It's a great way to get to know our church family. Then also on Friday, which is uh, our, the 26th of May, we have a family games night right here in our church building. It's going to go from 6.30 to 8.30. Again, it's for families and you can bring your, your favorite board games and favorite snacks and you can join us here and meet other families as well. Uh, so we also have a church work day coming up this, this Saturday and it starts at 9 a.m. And so if you would like to come here and, and really enjoy working together with other people, we would love that. We have lots to do around here to get the, the building in shape as we move into the summer. A uh, couple other things here. On June the 4th, we have our church family picnic. It's, it's going to be at the Forestry Farm. It's called a, an appreciation picnic, but it's for everyone. We're just going to appreciate those who have served us so well here. And that's uh, June the 4th after the second service in the morning. Last year, we had probably three to 400 people show up. We had, we had a ball game. I pulled my hamstring at that ball game. I remember it well. It was, it was a great time. So 
I'm going to ump this year. I'm going to listen to my wife, but uh, join us for that. And if you can sign up for that, then we know how much food to bring for that. A um, couple other things a little bit further down the road. We have Vacation Bible School on July 10th and 14th and Global Leadership Summit on August 3rd and 4th. There are great things to uh, come to a Leadership Summit for sure for all of us. If you have kids, the VBS, but also a great thing place to serve at as well. So those are some things that we have coming up in the near future. Now I want to invite up Myron Johnson, who is our board chair, and he has an important announcement for the church. Thanks, Leighton. Um, yeah, so I'm Myron Johnson, and I have the privilege of serving on the board here at Ebenezer. Um, as many of you are aware, we've been working through a succession planning process, and after two and a half years of engagement with you as the congregation, after much deliberation and discernment as a board, and now having just finished an intensive interview process, we'd like to provide you with an update as to where we are at. So to start, I'd like to just briefly walk through our process, how we've arrived at where we are today. And if you were with us at the ACM a few weeks ago, some of you have already heard some of this. So in February of 2021, we began a formal succession planning process with the board commissioning a succession planning team. And this team involved board members, including Ivan Olfert, Ken McCullough, Ruth Whalen, Scott Unger and myself, as well as congregational members, Trevor Thiessen, who is our previous board chair, Tanea Entz, Emily Ermel, and Rick Gunther. We also hired a succession planning consultant as, as part of this, Marin Coots. Trevor and Ivan co-chaired this committee, and over the next year, the committee and board felt that it was of primary importance to spend time listening to God and listening to and engaging with the congregation. This process included learning how to better hear God by going through a discipleship series called Abide, which Leighton helped lead us through. And you'll remember a number of ways that we engaged together, some of which seem like a while ago now. We engaged in a journey wall process that helped us identify where we've come from and what, what is core to us and who we are as a church. We conducted initial staff interviews we researched other churches and Christian organizations locally and more broadly and had conversations with leaders from those organizations. And then finally, in the spring of 2022, we shifted our focus and engaged more internally. We had conversations with all of our pastoral staff, including some of our partner congregation pastors, and we then had discussions with the entire staff team to hear from them. It was through these processes that we felt called as a board to contemplate a co-leadership model, where we would have a team of two co-lead pastors that would work together as a, as a dynamic team leading Ebenezer. We then communicated this to the congregation, and we engaged with the congregation through two town hall meetings late in 2022. I do want to just say how thankful we are for the level of engagement in these sessions and conversations around this time. Some of the best conversations that we've had as a board and succession planning committee came from questions that were raised and conversations that occurred around these engagement sessions. And so we just appreciate and are grateful for the many individuals who invested time and energy into dialoguing with us through this process. 
As well, through this process, we spent time in prayer at our meetings as individuals, and we know that so many of you have been praying for this as well consistently, and we thank you for that. After this work, we finally advertised the co-lead pastor job posting in January of 2023, which was open for application through March 15th of this year. The succession planning committee then spent the remainder of March reviewing all of the applicants, and the committee then invested a significant amount of time and energy into numerous interviews conducted. So first in April, all the applicants who were assessed as qualified for consideration were interviewed, and from these initial interviews, a shortlist was created. Once a shortlist was established, the committee conducted individual interviews as well as co-interview sessions where two candidates were interviewed at the same time to begin assessing compatibility in their interactions. Through this process and through prayers as individuals and as a committee and congregation, and through many hours of conversation, the search committee finally reached a clear decision, one that was unanimous. There was two individuals who stood out as uniquely compatible, who brought unique strengths together in the areas that we had identified as a church that were needed to fulfill a co-lead role. We then proceeded to ask these two individuals to spend time together, have a number of meetings together, to discern together, to pray together, to assess in honesty their ability to work together and their own compatibility. And then we even asked them to present to the board a potential divide for their roles and responsibilities. So finally, the committee required that both individuals engage in a theological assessment that was formulated by our BGCS District Minister, Matt Tykrobe. And so I just want to thank him for the work and investment of time and energy that he put into this process. Joining Matt in the assessment process was Rick Gunther, who used to pastor with us at the House for All Nations and is an ordained BGC pastor, as well as Ivan Olfert and Ruth Whalen from the search committee. So the outcomes of these meetings continue to bring us together and build our conviction on these two individuals and ultimately led the eight-person succession planning committee uh, to unanimous, unanimously recommend to the board and then followed by all 10 board members on May 15th unanimously voting in support of taking these two individuals to the congregation, which we're doing now. So, who are the two candidates who persevered through this process? Uh, first is Santosh Nainan. Santosh is new to most of us. Santosh, Santosh is married to his wife, Felicia, and they have three kids. Adam, who's 18 and in his first year of university, Sophia, 16, James, 13, and some of you may be familiar with James as he attends Ebenezer's youth group. Santosh grew up in Saskatoon, and during his career, he's held ministry positions in Alberta, in British Columbia, India, and most recently in the United States. What we've learned about him through this process is that he's a gifted speaker, he's personable, He's compassionate, and he's equipped with lead pastor experience and a doctor of ministry. So we look forward to you getting a chance to know him over this next two weeks. Our second candidate is Chet Ingram. 
Some of you may know who he is. Uh, Chet is very well known to us at Ebenezer. Married to Lindsay Ingram, they have two kids, James 12 and Evelyn 10. And as many of you know, Chet grew up in Tisdale and during his career has held ministry positions in Saskatoon in the United States. For over 17 years, he's been on staff here at Ebenezer with responsibility for ministries such as college and career, worship, and other areas, and most recently his role as executive pastor. He is gifted in the areas of leadership, strategic thinking, discipleship, and he knows our church family very well and the things that we value, having led and walked with us for almost two decades. Even though we know Chet, we look forward to giving you the chance to get to know him better through this process as well. So as a search committee and board, we're very excited about what these two bring together in a co-leadership model. And I just want to stop here and, and acknowledge our search committee. So this includes Trevor, Ivan, Scott, Rick, Emily, Tanea, and Ken. We really need to thank them for the significant amount of time that they've invested, not just into meetings, but individually as they've committed time and energy and prayer in this. So let's thank them. Okay, so where do we go from here? Uh, we will immediately begin the candidating process where both candidates will be engaged with us as a church in regular church life through attendance at several scheduled events. Uh, both will share with us through preaching on a Sunday morning. So Santosh is scheduled to be preaching on May 28th and Chet on June 4th. And together they will share their vision on how, we'll, how they will work together in leading us at two designated times. So please mark these on your schedule the evening of Monday, May 29th and Tuesday, May 30th. So these are two times and you can choose one to attend to engage to hear them. The candidating, candidating process will ultimately culminate in a membership meeting and vote on the evening of Sunday, June 4th at 7 p.m. here at the church. So there's a few dates that you'll want to uh, log into your calendars here. For those of you that may not be able to make it to the meeting on uh, Sunday, June 4th, we will be having advanced polls where if you're a member, you'll be able to register and vote on Friday, June 2nd with a poll open here at the church from 9 to 5 p.m. So with that, on behalf of the board and search committee, I just want to say that we're so thankful for all who have engaged with us in conversation and prayer throughout this process. We thank you for your patience as we've been working hard towards this announcement, and we ask for your continued prayer for us as a church, that God would bring us together and unite us through this time. So on behalf of the board, thank you. So I just want to say a couple of things as well. So first of all, I know from Myron as a board chair, this has been a, a very, very uh, like weighty time for him and busy time and all the board members and most of them have jobs as well. And so I know we've already thanked the, the, search, or the search committee, uh, but let's also thank Myron and the rest of the board for all their hard work. And then second, um, 
I'm going to be kind of bowing out of the whole candidating process for, from here on in. And so, but I do want to just say one thing to our church family. So, um, I, I trust the board. I trust the process that they've engaged in. I trust their hearts. And I trust the sovereignty of God. And so, um, you know, they have done hard work to, to, to bring these things forward. And, and I just want to say that, that uh, I, I fully trust the process along the way, and I'm excited. And I remember, I remember uh, 18 years ago, I was sitting right over in this corner over here when they announced my name as the, the candidate for lead pastor, sitting in fear, wondering what was going to happen. Were people going to laugh, you know, clap, scream? Uh, they screamed, at least, you know, it was only because my picture wasn't very good up there. Um, but no, but it, it, was, it was a very vulnerable time for, for me. And, uh, and so I understand the whole, the whole process. And back then, um, you know, not everyone knew me. Not everyone knew that uh, I was lead pastor material. But for the last 18 years, I've had the joy of, of being your lead pastor. And, and looking back, I, I think I was the right person for the season that we went through. And now I'm looking forward. Uh, I'm not saying that for any applause. What I was going to say is that, is that I look forward to seeing what this next season holds. I look forward to, to new eyes, new ideas, so that this church can continue to grow and flourish as it always has. And so uh, engage in this process of candidating. Come out and hear the candidates and be, be part of this. And if you're a member here, come out and vote on June, June the 4th so that you can be part of the process. And then our prayers as a staff team, and my prayer personally has always been, God keep us unified in this season. Because I've seen churches pull apart when there's a transition, and there's no need for that to happen. You know, we have good people in place, good strong leadership, godly leadership, and I am 100% confident in the future, and I want you to be too. Okay, so that, uh, I wanted to invite Robin Arcand, if you would like to, where, she's over here now. So uh, today we have, we're, we're blessed to have a group from Teen Challenge that is with us. And this is with Prairie Hope Center. And so uh, Robin is a director out there, and she's brought uh, some ladies with her, and they're going to share some of their stories. And just a couple of comments about this. Uh, Teen Challenge, if you don't know, they have multiple centers across 125 countries. It's a 12-month faith-based approach to help free people from their addictions. And uh, we have been blessed to have had Teen Challenge, both the men and the women, share here in the past. And when they do, it's always an encouraging time, as it was already this morning in the first service. And so we're excited uh, that they're going to be here and sharing. And, you know, a good sermon is always a great thing to have. But sometimes even better is a great story. Because in great stories, we get to hear the power of God at work in people's lives. And so we're pleased to have them here. And so let's welcome Robin and her team. They cheer because I'm in charge of them and I let them get things. <laughs> like a pool that they got this weekend. Um, I, I just want to say this about Pastor Layton. I also remember when you were like kind of like the worship leader too, and I sang. I started singing when you were doing worship stuff as well. So that's how long I've been here um, when he was leading worship as well. So yeah, you can imagine. It was good. It was good. Um, good morning. Like he said, my name is Robin Arcand. Normally I would start this presentation by saying, hey, 
Can you find my triangle eyebrowed husband in this picture somewhere? But he's here now, so I'm not going to start with that. I'm just going to say thank you for having us. Um, like Pastor Layton said, we are Teen Challenge. We are a 12-month faith-based treatment program, and we are located north of Saskatoon. So I have three questions for you today if you're comfortable on answering them. Raise your hands if you feel free to do so. Do you have a loved one or a family member that has an addiction to substance or alcohol? Raise your hand. Okay. Do you know someone or have an acquaintance who has an addiction to substance abuse or alcohol? Raise your hand. And one more thing, and I think that all of your hands should go up now. Have you heard of Teen Challenge? Wonderful. It makes my life very much easier. Psalm 34 says this, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus came to seek and save those who are brokenhearted. And he's calling us to do the same. The need is great, and it is our desire to help as many people as possible find freedom in sobriety and ultimately freedom in Christ. Today I will talk about addiction and the need for recovery both locally and across the country. I think that it is vitally important that we are available to provide those help that help for the searching. The people that I have brought here today have made the very brave choice to face their demons and to face their past and do the hard work of recovery. And for that we are very proud of them and it's a gift to have you guys here today, just know that. So what occurs in someone's life that would influence them to lead down to a path of addiction? One statistic says that people who experience six or more serious adverse childhood experiences are 46 or 4,600% more likely to abuse substances. However, it may take only one bad experience, one trauma in childhood that can point a person to addiction in the future. Sometimes it can be a trauma in adulthood. We don't know. But when you add anxiety, stress, depression, and fear to the mix, this becomes the foundation for unhealthy coping mechanisms. To numb the pain or escape the feelings, many turn to drugs and alcohol. Um, a good friend and counselor once said to me, the person or the people who are most likely to suffer from addictions are the people with the softest hearts. And that has always stuck with me. So who gets addicted? Addiction does not discriminate. Addiction affects men and women of all ages, all walks of life throughout our country. Looks can be deceiving. Addictions can be very well hidden. Some people may be appear to be functioning addicts. So a story that I shared in the first service is when some of my clients were um, at an outreach and after the outreach they were having lunch with the, the church congregation and one young girl, she was I think an early teen, she said to her mom, mom, grandpa, like he drinks a lot. And the mom said, oh no, 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 he can hold down a full-time job. So, so grandpa's not an alcoholic. To which this, this client said, oh, I held down a full-time job and paid my bills and made sure my cats were fed, and I was definitely in addiction. So 
It doesn't discriminate. The Canadian Mental Health Association reports that nearly 6 million Canadians, 6 million, will meet the criteria for addiction in their lifetime. The cost of substance abuse in our country in 2017 was reported to be $46 billion, and that post-pandemic would be much higher today. Across Canada in 2022, 20 people per day are dying of an opioid-related overdose. That's almost two people from Saskatchewan per day. We have the highest rate of hospitalizations in Canada due to overdoses. Uh, we are fortunate here in Canada that we have nine Teen Challenge Canada programs in three regions. We have Teen Challenge in over 125 different countries all over the world. Here in Saskatchewan, we have the Allen Center in well, in Allen, so the Men's Center is in Allen, and then we have the Prairie Hope Women's Center just east of Hague. <clears throat> at our center at Prairie Hope, we have 20 beds for core students, and we have six beds for internships. Our mission is to help individuals overcome substance addiction to lead full and productive lives. What's unique about our mission is that it's not only about the drug and alcohol sobriety, but our mission continues to say, lead full and productive lives. Many addiction treatment centers fall into three categories. So immediate life-saving measures, harm reduction, and a 12-step in-residence or outpatient program. So we, like I said earlier, we have a 12-month faith-based in-residence drug and alcohol recovery program for people 18 years and older. We focus on getting to the root cause of the individual's reasons for using substances. We offer help and hope to those who are ready to make a commitment to a new and sober life. So a couple of things. Our program is intensive. Our program is voluntary. Our program is holistic, mind, body, and spirit. We, the staff, are Christian. We believe that faith transforms. Let me say that you do not have to have a faith to come to our program. Individuals can have success in our program alone. However, we believe that if you add Christ to the mix, your whole life can be transformed. And that happens through a personal relationship with Christ. Um, if you're not a Christian, that's okay. You don't need to be. Just come and find safety and find rest, and we'll do the rest with you. We will help you. We know that recovery is a lifelong process, and the road to sobriety begins with one choice, and then it's followed by a series of daily choices. The first step is recognizing that there is a problem and seeking help. When people enter our program, they have a place to stabilize their minds, their bodies, and their spirits, and detoxify anything that has been in their system. They start to learn new coping skills and working through emotions and past trauma. They also put into practice daily healthy routines, develop practical life skills, and these are all really important stepping stones to sobriety. I think sometimes we, we take that for granted, that we have to train ourselves daily to do daily things. A program is not easy, they will tell you that every day. 
It's 12 months away from family and friends, 12 months of not building into relationships with others who you have on the outside. It involves mental and physical withdrawal symptoms and includes, includes intensive counseling and therapy, as well as communal living, and that really takes practice. Um, if you're, if, you're a, if you're a kid and you have to live with your brothers and sisters and they drive you crazy, I'm, I, I know that this happens. I lived with some boys over here for a while and they scream a lot. Um, but then you're an adult and then you have to live with everybody and all of their stuff that they bring and you have to do this. Every, there's no getting away from these people. So living communally takes a lot of challenge and it's learning how to respect each other and help each other along the way. It's also a way that they can learn how to rebuild and restore broken relationships and that it takes work and learning who safe people are and learning about boundaries. There are several phases to our program and I'll describe them now. Phase one is the stabilization phase in which you're just kind of, you're stabilizing, maybe you're on new medication. Um, detox, even though you may have, um, you may have gone to a detox previously, there are still side effects that happen for months. Um, Post-acute withdrawal syndrome, things you don't remember, you're, you don't have a good sleep habit, anything like that. Um, so that takes several months just to be able to do that. So that's phase one. Many people choose to leave in this phase. Lots of people come, not everybody stays, but this would be the phase that people leave the most. Phase two is where an individual in our program learns more about themselves and the Word of God. They learn healthy routines, create habits, and a foundation for a new and sober life. And phase three is the final core of our program. It's where pre-graduates will create an exit strategy and a personal relapse prevention plan, and they reintegrate into their community and look for employment and reintegrate into their family. We as staff are there to help them to overcome obstacles, to celebrate successes, um, to learn how to interact with people on a healthy way. Um, the opportunity for restoration with family and loved ones is not always guaranteed, and I think that that's really important to recognize. We see our men and women work very, very hard for a year while their family is out and just happy that people are that their loved one is safe and they don't necessarily think about the things that they will need to change in order to have a healthy life together our program does not end at graduation those who wish to further their recovery have opportunity to spend six additional months to two years alongside staff and students you can become an intern for a year to six months and live on site and become a staff member and then a phase five is where you would live off-site and work for Teen Challenge. After graduation, if you choose not to do one of those things, you also still have access to your counselor who's been counseling you for a year. She'll make phone appointments with you and make sure that you have success as you continue to rebuild your life outside Teen Challenge. If you've graduated and relapsed, or if you've left um, and you need to come back, the door is open. You can do a refresher program for six months or something new that they've just started if you choose to leave before your graduation date. If you come back within six months, you pay $100 and you come back in. So 
not the amount that they normally pay at the beginning. We invest in recovery, and that's the most important thing. This is the first, the first day leaving the center is the first day of the rest of your life, and this is where the, the challenges and the steps will take. Right now, you live in a safe bubble, but we want you to have the support that you need once you walk out of our doors. So our graduates, those who graduate from our program, are our living testimonies. In fact, 25% of our graduates are now staff with Teen Challenge across Canada. So Teen Challenge can help change lives. If you know someone who is suffering and they're not here today, I just want to put a plug to come to the back. We'll give you a, like a little card, and it has a website for videos that you can show people videos of transformed lives. And one of the men, um, Tarrant, he is from Saskatchewan, and now he is a great supporter of Teen Challenge, and he works really hard in Saskatchewan to further our message. So we're frequently asked, what does life look like at Teen Challenge? And every program is different. Every center is a little bit different. But let me tell you a little bit about what ours is like. Um, it's a very structured program. They will tell you that. Um, they get up by 7.15, and they're downstairs, and they do their devotions. Um, they cook, they clean, they do it all. So some different areas of our program are the following. So spiritual formations. Every week, every Wednesday morning, we have chapel. So that might include um, someone coming to share their story, a pastor coming to share a word. Uh, we watch videos online. Our students, uh, several of them have taken up instruments, and so they'll play the guitar or the piano, and they lead worship. They read scripture. It's the first place that they share their testimonies before they come out to churches. They have group and personal studies. So our very gifted addictions counselor is also their spiritual formations coach. And she works alongside them to develop and cater a very specific customized program for each individual client that we have. They look at topics such as self-image, identity, family relationships, spiritual growth, obedience to man, obedience to God, growing through failure, resisting temptation, relapse prevention, anger management. They attend Sunday church. They do um, devotions every day. They memorize scripture. I think you guys memorize like 100, 100 verses around there. She lost count. Okay. They also have opportunities to um, go to local Bible studies in the area. So a blessing for us is that we teach the Boundaries book, but a church in Hague, a women's group, was doing a boundaries um, Bible study this year. So instead of just doing it ourselves, they just went as Christian women to this Bible study, and they got to do their own thing, and we didn't teach them, and they just went, and they had this really great time. They met some great friends. Um, they went on under a retreat with them. So that is really a fantastic thing for them to just be people in the world, living life. And again, we have one-on-one -on -one and group counseling. So each of our students works with our counselor as well as she does group counseling with them. Another part of our program is work therapy. And this happens every day. Um, we have one, two, three, we have four different areas. So we have kitchen crews. So our students cook all of our food. They prepare all of our food. They clean the kitchen. Um, anything that needs to be made, they make it. They figure it out. All of our food is 
we, we spend a little bit of money on fresh produce when our garden isn't ready yet. For the, for the most part, most of our food is donated. And we don't really buy meat or anything like that. Everything is donated, so they look and see what we have. And if it's hot dogs every day for a month, then that's what we have. No, we have more than that. We've got beef, but we do have a lot of hot dogs. Um, an outdoor crew. So an outdoor crew, um, they take care of our 10,000 square foot garden, which we just basically finished planting this week. Um, they take care of the yard. They take care of shoveling. They take care of the snow. They take care of our pets that we have outside. We've got three pets right now, and they take care of them. They do everything outside. They clean the walls, put in the screens. They do all of it. And then we have a cleaning crew inside the building. Our building is beautiful, and they maintain our building to a very high standard. Our building barely looks used, and they take very good care, and they clean the inside of the building, top to bottom. Every month they wash walls. They do everything. And then we have a projects crew. So if we have another nonprofit or somebody um, approach us, so MCC asked if we could make hats for newborn, for preemie babies. So we had a, a crew who would like, they have a little, what are those things called, you guys? Loom. They loom these little hats for preemies, and then they're sent all over the world. They've also made um, mats out of bag, like plastic bags for people who are homeless, so that we can give those away. So those are th just some of the things that we do. And then community involvement. We're privile privileged to go out into the community and be able to interact with people, um, not just as Teen Challenge, but also as individuals. So this week, we're super excited. We get to go to the King and Country concert on Thursday. We're going to help set up and tear down, and we get free tickets. Um, we will be helping with local VBSs in the area this summer, which we're super excited about. They're going glamping. It's high-class camping and a cabin. They're doing that. So those are all really great things that we get to do. Um, we're very blessed to be able to partner with the Men's Center on a regular basis because we're not as well-known, so we don't get called as much for fun stuff. But the director there, Zach, always calls. He's like, hey, you want to send people? I'm like, do I ever? So it's really exciting for us to be able to get out into the community. Okay, thank you. So one of the things that I love about this church is that you guys are so invested in Teen Challenge, and that does really, that speaks to my heart. Um, so many of you are donors, monthly donors already, but if you don't or if you would like to donate more, you could join the journey. So it takes $55,000 to put one of these ladies through this program for a year. Um, they pay $1,100 to come. That's it. No questions asked, $1,100. Um, and while they're there, they have people who will help them get on social assistance or EI and all of that. And we have a pharmacy that we work with in Hague that gives them a discount. So we are blessed everywhere. But if you would like to join the journey with us today, I would invite you to take this. You should have received one. Fill it out. Bring it to me at the back. And we can get you on this program with us. You'll get emailed updates for the Prairie Region. This will be for the Men's Center and the Women's Center. We work together. That's how we do things. Um, any gift over $20, you're going to get a receipt, a tax receipt. Some other ways that you can partner with us. Here's a really good one. I said this in the first service, and I gave Pastor Layton the side eye. Um, golf tournament on June 24th. I don't know that we've ever had a team from Ebenezer. I would love to have a few teams from Ebenezer come and do a golf tournament with us. It's at Loon Lake. 
You can raise funds. They have very good stake there. They have the best stake around here. It's not very far away, and it's just a really fun day. You're going to hear testimonies. You're going to get door prizes. There'll be silent auction. It's going to be a great time. So if you want to do that, come and talk to me at the back. Um, Freedom Run in August. If you are a runner or a walker, um, you can run 10K or you can walk 5K. We do that at Rotary Park. You just get sponsors to raise money, and there is... Um, prizes for that, sweatshirts and all of that. So we do that. We are there every year, walking slash running. Um, if you have particular giftings in men or women, I don't care, our facilities supervisor allowed maternity leave, and we're trying to figure out after a year how to work our zero-turn mower. If anybody knows how to do that and wants to come and volunteer a day and spend some time with my employees, that would be great. You could come out and show us how to do that. Awesome. If you are a person who knows how to can food, we eat from our garden all year. We, are just, we just cut up the last of our potatoes from last year to plant in this year's garden. We need to freeze, we need to can, we do all of these things and we eat them all year. So if you know how to do this, we do not, I do not. So in the fall, if this is something that you are capable of and want to come out for a day and teach us, please come and talk to me at the back. I'm starting a list of people. Um, if you would like to come and share your story on a Wednesday morning at chapel, that would be great. Just grab our cards. I've had several life groups reach out to me in the first service. Our ladies really enjoy it when they don't have to cook supper. So if you want to come for pizza and play games, they would love that. Would you love that? They would love that. And um, one more thing. The Men's Center is looking for a full-time facility supervisor. So if you know someone who's looking for full-time work and is comfortable with some construction, maintenance, all of that, um, let them know that we are looking. So they are looking to fill this position. Um, you can come and talk to me about it or get some information. I can give you a card or I can give you the job description. If that's something that you'd like to do, please feel free to come and talk to me at the back. And thank you. I'm trying to wrap up fairly quick, but thank you so much. It has been a pleasure to be here with you today. I find myself very blessed by this church, and we are always blessed when we come here and spend time here. And they love you guys. You are one of their favorite churches. So thank you so much. Thank you, Robin and team. Uh, just as Chet's coming up, let me just make a few closing comments here. Um, I really appreciate when you guys come and share. It was great. And it was, it was Dusty Rose that said to me in the foyer when I got here this morning, she goes, you're like a celebrity. And I'm going, finally someone realized that, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but she was saying that they actually watch us on Sunday mornings, and so she sees me on, on stage. And, and I said to them after the first service, I'll say it again, you're my heroes for sharing your stories and for, for showing us vulnerability because we all have brokenness in our life, every single one of us. Just, just sometimes it comes out a little bit more and differently than others. And so for you get up, to get up here, and it makes me appreciate, like, my journey is not your journey. And so, you know, I'm grateful that I had loving parents and I haven't had some of those traumas. But for you to share that and to see how God is working in your lives is really inspirational. So, so thank you for being here and for sharing your story for us. So let's, uh, let's, yeah, let's. Let's stand, we'll sing one song in closing. 
And just as we do, I want to remind you that we do have our, our prayer time at the front, and so if you would like to be prayed for this morning, we'll have some staff people up there, and we'll be happy to pray for you for any reason at all. Just stay standing for, just stay standing for the benediction. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Amen? Amen. Go in God's power, his presence, and his peace, and enjoy the company of the people around you. Thank you so much for being here today, and you're dismissed. Have a great long weekend.